Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. All right, welcome, good evening. How is everyone? Good? Is everybody awake? No? Yes? Well, we'll jump in. We, our plan is to be finished by 8.30, so um, we've got uh, a, lot, a lot to cover. Um, and, and I want it to be as helpful as we can make it for you all. So I want to leave some time for questions, too. If we didn't, if we didn't catch everything that we were thinking about, which I'll, I'll promise you now we won't, all right? We won't catch everything. So I was telling Eric this morning that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with the... I mean, parenting in general or, or discipleship of children in general is a weighty task, but the idea of, of thinking through it in an hour is um, even even uh, weightier. So, um, so it, let me do this. We'll, um, we'll just jump right in and, and I'll pose a question for you all. And, and I understand that there are, are a variety of different people here. So there's some parents or people who uh, are grandparents, some who are um, neither but expecting parents. Um, some are um, people who may not have children or may not ever have children, but are interested in, in being a part of, of being in the lives of of children and so um, there's a a wide spectrum here and um if i if you catch me saying with your children it's just because that's what i've I've been thinking about it in those kinds of ways so um yell at me or something or or try to apply it in your setting if that makes sense i'll i'll try to try to make it broad enough that that it's uh, helpful for everyone. So, why are you here? That's the question. Um, maybe a lot of you are asking. Lots of different people are here. Um, uh, some of you um, are are probably here because you're feeling, in some ways, inadequate about um, your role in uh, the discipleship of children, the children in your lives. Um, and, and here's what happened. Here's why we started this seminar series. Because about when was it? I think it was August. We decided. I had heard from some guys that um, they would love some insight into how to read the Bible with their kids or do devotions with their children. And so I said, well, we'll just do a seminar on it and we'll see how that goes. And um, there were close to 40 guys who showed up on a, on a evening in August. And so the, the response was overwhelming enough that we thought we should keep this in the regular rhythm of what we're doing as a church, keeping seminars going like this. Um, especially um, for things that hit hit us in, in different ways. So um, that, that's why we're here this evening. And, and what I've done, I think, over the years is I've assumed quite a bit, um, which is which is not helpful. I, I've assumed way too much about um, the journey of um, discipleship in general and, and the the Christian life. I, I've either assumed that. People are kind of like me, um, that you don't know what you're doing, but you think you can probably figure it out with some insight from others. Um, or I've assumed that people are way beyond where I am, and um, they, they don't need a whole lot of help. And so what, what those assumptions have really come together to show me is that I think we're all a mess, and we're all in need of 
help in a lot of different ways. And so um, many of us probably showed up tonight with areas we're feeling um, like we need to, to fix some things in our lives. Um, maybe you came out of um, guilt from your spouse. Um, no elbows there, but maybe that, that's why you're here. Um, maybe you're here because you... It may be that you're here because you have a problem child in your life, um, which is a, a real um, possibility. You feel like you're, you're failing and you don't know, know what to do. Um, but, but I would guarantee that none of us are here tonight because we feel like we've nailed this, right? And that we've got some stuff we could share with some, some other people. I don't care how old or, or young or experienced you are. Um, discipleship in general is challenging. Discipleship of young children who are um, squirmy and uh, everything else is really challenging. And so um, we're, we're here um, with, with maybe lots of different things going on in our minds. But so, so here's what I want to do. Before we even get into really thinking about this, um, well, I want to point us in a couple different direction, directions. First is this, that um, it, however you're feeling about your role in discipleship tonight, you need to know that if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are a child of God, right? So so that needs to be felt, that you are an accepted child of God, not because of how well or how poorly you've discipled children, but because of the precious blood of Jesus being shed for you. And so I think we all can take a deep breath and rest in that, um, rest that, that our identity is not wrapped up in our performance, good or bad, but our identity is wrapped up in the blood of Jesus. So we can rest in that. And then secondly, I want to remind us all that, uh, just e- even on the front end, that discipleship of any kind, in- including and probably especially discipleship to children, has got to begin with prayer. It's got to, be, it's got to begin with prayer. And, and here's why. Because if you jump into discipleship of any kind without first asking God for help, you may run the risk of um, leaning on your own strength. And often leaning on your own strength in um, discipleship will often bear the fruit of legalism. Does that make sense? Because what happens is, is we, if we're leaning on our own strength in discipling someone else, we often lean on making laws for them so that we can see measurable fruit. And really what often happens is that the, the, the fruit becomes legalism, that we've created a whole list of laws. And so prayer is where we start. Um, and so... Can I do that this evening before we jump in? That we're chosen children of God, resting in that, and that we begin this entire process with prayer. Let me pray. God, um, we know that there's nothing that we can do or say um, that would please you any more than you are already pleased because of Jesus, your Son. There's nothing we could do, nothing we could put on ourselves or take away from ourselves that would do anything to gain your favor because we have your favor in the precious blood of your son. So I pray that that would rest over us tonight, that we would feel that and sense it. If we're coming in discouraged, I pray that we would walk away at least with that bit, knowing that um, we are children of you. And then uh, secondly, God, I, 
um, I'll lift this time up to you. I don't know where all of these people are coming from this evening, what their, what their story is, what their background is, what, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, what they've, what they've experienced, what their hopes are. I don't know um, where all, all of our, our friends here tonight are, but we do know that we can do none of this without your help. And so we plead with you for help. We plead with you for insight. We plead with you for direction um, in knowing how to walk with children who are in need of a Savior just like we are. Give us insight, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, here's what we're doing. A real simple two-point outline. All right, and so if you're a note taker, you can you can um, you can do that. It's a two-point outline. I want um, I'll probably have a million subpoints, but two points. Um, so one in each hand, we can walk away with with two points that I want us to um, cover. We're not going to cover everything, and I want to leave some time for questions. I'm going to invite Kirsten up to to sit up here with me and field some of that too. So um, that'll be near the end. So write those questions down if you have them, and we'll we'll hopefully cover some of those. Um, you all know very well, hopefully if you don't, I'll tell you now, I don't know everything about parenting. In fact, there are probably many more people in this room uh, that would know how to disciple children better than I do. Um, and and so we'll just put that out there. But here we are, and um, I'd like to talk through this with you and, and, and work through some of the th- these things with you. And so um, here, here are the two points that I want to put in front of us um, that we'll be able to hold, to hold on to. First is this, that it starts with you, okay? Discipleship starts with, with, with you, and, and I'll tell you, explain that a little bit here in just a second. And then the second point that I hope, hope we can walk away with is that it's daily, right? Starts with you and it's daily. So it's a, a, a rhythm, right? And to direct our time in this, I want to look at a passage um, in Deuteronomy 6. You probably have heard this. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. If not, I'll have it here um, on the screen. Um, Deuteronomy 6. One through six, I, I want to look at it. This is, um, this is the second telling of the law. So um, that, that the literal meaning of Deuteronomy is the second law. So it's a repeating of what has, has happened in the giving of the law. And Moses, what we've worked through a lot in Exodus 20, um, where we saw the giving of the commandments, the Ten Commandments. And then we've got the, in, in Deuteronomy 5, we've got the second um, giving of the commandments. And so um, that's, that's the context where, where they're at Mount Sinai, the second um, giving of the law um, it has happened. And, and here's what it says. Look at uh, Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 1. And uh, let me read this. It says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, this is from Moses, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. We'll we'll stop right there. And, And here's the first point. It starts with you. 
And here's what I mean by that. It, it, it starts with the discipleship. Um, the, the discipleship of children starts with you. And, and you may be thinking, well, I didn't come here tonight to um, hear that, that what I need is to grow in my understanding of God. That I need to grow in, in, in my own understanding of who God is and, and, and what He's done for me. But, but I want to put this out there in front of us myself included, that if we're not going to take seriously and joyfully our own relationship with God, that there is no way that the children in our influence will take seriously and joyfully a relationship with God. That's what I mean by it starts with you, okay? I don't mean that it starts with you and God second. I just mean it, the discipleship of children starts with you over and over in those seven verses we see you 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 so you love the lord your god with your heart with your soul with your all, all your might and so it it starts with you and i would say it starts with you in two ways and here's the first one it starts with your own disciplines um start, starts with your own disciplines and i don't mean this as an example to your children. I don't mean, hey, get, get your disciplines together so that you can be an example to your children. I mean your own disciplines for your own benefit. You're, you're not the Christian man or woman that you've been called to be if you're not growing personally in your affections for Jesus. So, so that's not going to happen. So let me just speak to our, our own hearts this evening. Um, do you have a desire to know God, to follow God, to be near God, to be obedient to the things in God's Word? Is that actually a desire of your own heart? Do you have a, a desire to be growing to know Christ in Him crucified? Consider that. Is that where, is that where you are? If not, I think we need to hear that, that God loves us and desires... We've heard this over and over in Exodus, right? That God loves us and desires a relationship with us. Desires to be in relationship with each of us so much that He sent His Son to, to give His life. And, and the church of Jesus was purchased with the blood of His own Son so that we could be in relationship with Him. And, and as I began thinking about this seminar, I talked to Eric about this quite a bit over the last week's when I began thinking about this seminar and what it would include, and um, this is the thing that hit me uh, like a ton of bricks about three weeks ago. It hit, hit me hard that, that I cannot speak to us about pointing children to Jesus if I don't first encourage our own hearts in the direction of fixing our own eyes on Christ. Does that make sense? So, so this goes nowhere if first we aren't desiring to know Christ and, and aren't desiring to know God with all of our heart, soul, and might. So I would, I would encourage you to consider that first. It, is there, are, are there places in your own life where you need to be laboring in prayer that your, your heart would be growing in that direction? We can give all the, the tips we want, but if our own affections aren't moving toward Jesus and that we're not understanding the gospel more and more and more. I think what's going to happen is you'll end up frustrated and feeling more and more like a failure in your pursuit to disciple the children in your life. 
Um, and, and so I want us to feel um, like this is a doable thing, not because God's told us we should do it, but because God loves us and, ha- and desires a relationship with us. So it starts with you, starts with us, starts with uh, us in, in our own disciplines, in our own growing affections for Christ. And, and then secondly, it, it goes um, in, in a different direction, and it goes to this, that it, it, it's, it's your example. So yes, it, it's about your disciplines. <clears throat> it's also about your example to your children. From infancy on, um, children need those who are discipling them. And, and it may be that, that you're the person in their life to be moving them in that direction. They're watching you. Children are looking for people to, to grow up to be like, learning by and, and seeing the things that you're doing. They're, they're taking that in. So often in parenting, what we do is we pull the parenting card. Have you done that? Where, where, where I've often done this, where I, I've said, well, because I'm the dad, that's why, right? So in parenting, that's, that's where I go. Does anybody else do that? I'm the mom, I'm the dad, that's why. Don't raise your hand, because then you're just condemning yourself there. But yes, we, we do that, right? So here's an example. I take Fridays off, right? So Friday is my day off. Thursdays have become for our family... Um, Thursday nights have become for our family like Friday night, right? So Thursday night begins our Friday night. And I'll let you in on a little secret if you promise to tell no one else about this. But on Thursday evenings, I've gotten in the bad habit after our boys go to bed that I um, will like to end my evening with an ice-cold um, blood orange San Pellegrino, all right? Um, if you haven't had one of these, they are um, amazing. It's just the right mix of um, tangy and sweet and carbonated non-alcoholic um, 1% fruit beverage, right? So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and, and often our, our boys are in bed, but if they come down and they see that I've cracked one of those open, they will immediately say, what? Can I have one? And my answer to them is no. And what's their response? Why not? Because you're having one. And my answer to them is I'm the dad, that's why, right? And so we pull that card often, and, and we, we go over and over. Now, they aren't sitting around on a Thursday evening, right? But before this happens, they're not sitting around on a third, Thursday evening thinking to themselves, man, I wish I could have a blood orange San Pellegrino right now, right? They want that and desire it because they see me having it. And so we're, I'm playing the, 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 the dad card, right? I'm playing the, the parenting card on that. Now, move that over to, to this. Are they ever going to want to know God, be in relationship with God, grow in their understanding of and, and, and love for God if they don't see you in that? If they don't see you doing that. So if you're going to pull the parenting card, because I'm the dad, because I'm the mom, then I would just say this, be consistent. Be, be consistent. If it's about a San Pellegrino, fine, but it's also about the reading of the word and, and prayer and, and the disciplines, right? You are adults. You are the, 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 the Christian that many of them may may see in their growing up. You are the definition of Christian. So you, you have an opportunity to shape them and to, and to mold them. They're watching you before you even say anything to them, before there's any instruction that they're understanding and comprehending. They see patterns and they see rhythms. They're watching, they're learning from you. So they're, they're seeing it. 
And it happens in, I told you I was going to have several subpoints. And so here's how this happens. It happens in, in four ways. It happens in your spiritual disciplines. They're watching the way that you relate with God. They're, they're watching your own spiritually disciplined life. They see you reading your Bible. They see you writing in a journal. They see you and hear you praying. They see and hear you singing. They're watching that. And so a decision we've made as a family for our, our children and the way we've um, decided to, to work through things is that we spend our early mornings reading and praying and, and journaling. So we get up before our boys at, um, most mornings, and that happened from infancy on for our boys. So in our home, that, that just happened. And I would say this, dad, dads of infants or dads of, of infants that are coming, you have a role to play with your children who are coming. And so um, this is what happened for us. With each of our boys, my role was to take them out of the room early in the morning. Right here we are. Um, that's Uzziah and I enjoying Leviticus together. Um, I would take them out of the room early in the morning so that Kirsten could get a couple hours of sleep after the last feeding of the early morning. And that, that was my role. And I began even then to sit with one of my boys in my arm, a cup of coffee in the other arm, and, and my Bible on my knees, and I would read. Now, do, do they remember, does Uzziah remember anything about Leviticus? I hope not, right? I hope not. Um, but that rhythm is starting, right? And they see these pictures, and they know that that is something that's been ingrained in them, and they, they've seen it over and over and over. And so that then continues as they grow. They see us they see us praying together. They know that we pray for them. Right? Our boys come downstairs at 7 or 7.30 in the morning, um, and they see us reading and, and praying and writing, and, and they're being shaped even by that example. Does that make sense? That they're being shaped by seeing the spiritual disciplines of their parents. And that goes for anyone, grandparents. Your, your, chil- your grandchildren are watching you, and, and people who are in lo- involved in the lives of kids of, of any age they're watching your spiritual disciplines. Another area they're watching you is in your commitment to and participation in the corporate worship gathering. Now that may seem like that may seem like something that that's out there and you don't really understand how that that's happening, but but when your commitment level is low in um in, in the corporate gathering, stats show that theirs will be even lower in adulthood. And so um, I shared this a few months ago with the dads who came, the, the men who came to this seminar, but there was a study done uh, a few years ago that found that for children whose parents both attended church, 33% of those children grew up and continued to attend church. All right, so if both parents went to church, 33% of the children continued going to church in adulthood. All right, when only, listen to this dads, when only the mother attended church, that number dropped to 3%. Okay? When only the dad went to church, when only the father attended church, the number of children who continued to attend church as adults was actually greater than 33%. So when it was only the father, the percentage went above what it was when it was both parents together. So they see our, the, the kids around us are seeing our commitment. There's a correlation between your commitment and their view of commitment later in life. Kids are watching. And so let me just put some questions out there for us to consider. Parent, grandparent, um, people involved in the lives of children or youth or, or college. 
do the, the kids around you see you making room in the schedule, in your schedule, to be here on a Sunday morning? Do, do they see that as a priority over whatever it is? Fill, fill in the blank. Football game. All right. do, do they see it as a priority over you being tired from a long week? Um, they, they see that, they watch it. They also see how you, um, and this one may be a little more challenging, they see how you engage while you're here. So when you're in this space, they're watching how you engage. Are you actively participating? Uh, do they see your affections for Jesus displayed and, and growing when you're here? Do they see you singing? Do they uh, see you reading along as we're reading, praying, taking notes, paying attention? They're, they're watching you. Right? Kids around us are, are watching us. And so that, that's another area. The, the third one I would say is this, in, in community. They're watching our example in community. You are an example uh, to them in, in their view of community. Um, they, they see how you engage in community. They're watching to see if Christian community is of value for you. If that's something that, that, they, that is important to you. And so we pray often for our boys that, that they would be circled by friends from Christian homes. We're continually praying that, that they'd be circled by friends who would grow up with, um, with them as Christians. So Christians around them. We're praying for that for our boys all the time. But here's the thing. Our kids are also watching if we've circled ourselves with, with friends, first of all, but with with Christian friends. Um, if the opportunity arises for us to be alone, introverts in the house, um, are, are, they, are they looking um, at you and saying, well, well, you don't have a desire to be with people. Why should I desire that at all? They're watching um, and being shaped by that. And then, and then fourth, um, they see our example of our giving and our serving and our sacrificing. They're watching that. Um, they, they see that. Where there are opportunities to be generous with money, they're watching to see how we respond to that. Um, they're, they're watching. For years and years, Kirsten and I made the decision to handwrite our checks that we would give to the church. And we did that in part so that there was a discipline for us, right? That there was a discipline in the actual handwriting of it. But we also did it so that our boys would see it um, we, you know, be careful about the number, so that's not a thing in their minds. But they would see it, and they would see us dropping it in the box. That there was a, a rhythm there to what they saw. They're watching our response. We're shaping our children by the way that we're we're responding to serving and to sacrificing and and to giving. They're watching to see if we serve others. They're absolutely watching to see if we serve others because we're asking kids around us to be serving others, right? We ask our boys all the time, now how can you serve your brother? Well, the answer to that is I'm not going to if they don't see that in us. So when the warming center is announced week after week after week and they hear that they need volunteers and they know that you're at home on a Saturday when you could be there. I'm not trying to guilt anybody, right? But when that's, when that's the case, they, they see that. When there's a church work day um, and, and the choices there of whether or not to attend, they see that. They also see when you bring them, right? They, they see that. They're involved in that. That's something that, that is shaping them. So we're shaping our children in all of the things that, that we're doing in, the, in those examples. So in our disciplines and our examples, your examples, the rhythms there, they're, they're, being lear- they're, they're learning from those and, and being shaped by them. So 
Let me, let me just boil that down. The, the discipleship of our children starts with you. It starts with your love for God. Um, it, it starts with your love for God with all your heart, soul, and might. It starts with you loving God. It starts with your example for them. Um, the primary de- definition of Christian that they have in their minds it is probably you. Right? And so they're, they're watching you. Um, you are the example in the disciplines, in corporate worship, in community, in giving, serving, and sacrificing. Now, all of that... It is nothing that we've said, right? No words have yet come out of our mouths in the discipleship of children. That's, that's action. That's them watching. That's, that's examples. We don't have some, um, we, 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 there's nothing that's been spoken. And often what we want, and, and probably why you're here, is, is we want some organized, in-depth, rigorous, systematic plan for the discipleship of our children, Right? kindergarten we're going to do this first grade we're going to do this and then when they when i'm in in ministry opportunities with high school i'm going to do this in college i'm going to do this and and grandparents I, I plan to do this we want a systematic way to do that and so we come to a seminar like this to get tips about how we can be in a in a better place um it, it's true we need to be intentional in our approach so i'm not saying push that out we, we need to be intentional intentionality is significant in the discipleship of children but when we think that discipleship is a program only, I think we miss a lot of opportunities. Right? When we think of it as a book or a Bible reading plan or a Bible study that we work through with the kids around us, I think when, when that's the only category, I think we miss a lot of opportunities. And that leads us to the, the next main point. So we've got two points that, that it starts with you. And then the second one is that it's daily. So discipleship is a daily rhythm. It's not a book um, necessarily. It's not a Bible study. It's not something necessarily. It's a daily rhythm. And, and let it, let's go back to uh, let's go back to Deuteronomy, that same passage. Let me finish out the, the the verses that we were reading, and then we'll continue. Look at verse four. It says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul." with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall, walk, uh, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. So, this is what I mean by the discipleship of our children is daily. It's an ongoing, intentional action. God says, this is God speaking in, in verse 7, he says, you shall teach them diligently. So having a systematic plan is beautiful. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. But when it's solely a systematic plan, we run the risk. We may run the risk of missing opportunities throughout the day. When we only have the category of discipleship is the five minutes before they go to bed, we run the risk of, of missing opportunities in, in everyday moments. So here's where I want to get practical. Um, and, and this is probably what, what many of you may be hoping for, um, and, and hopefully this is helpful. Um, the, the practical um, things that, that, that we have seen as, um, as a family and in ministry, um, I want to put in front of us to lower the bar a bit to lower the bar of expectation 
with you and for you and help you see that, again, discipleship is part of everyday, uh, the everyday normal rhythms as, uh, of life. And so um, God says, teach them diligently. That's daily. That's intentional. That's ongoing. And, and he gives three ways that that works out. I don't know if you caught them. We'll walk through these things. Here's what they are. Um, in your home, um, in your daily rhythms, consistently and intentionally. Let, we'll walk through those. They're, they're in the verses here, and I'll, I'll point you to them. What I mean, uh, what I, what I want to do with the next minutes is, is give you some examples from from our lives, from our home, um, that that we found helpful. Um, none of this is earth shattering. Like none of this is going to go out in a book one day when I when I write something that, that's not earth shattering. You've probably heard these things, and and you may be doing them, but we need together some. Um, Sometimes we need a kick in the seat to do the thing we know we ought to be doing. Um, and so um, we'll just walk through a couple of things. Let me, let me give you the context, all right, for our, our home. We have five boys, um, 6, 8, 10, 12, and 13, all right? I had to actually, when I typed that, I actually had to sit down and try to think of their ages, right? So you start there. Know your kids' ages, right? That's the first thing. Um, and, and each of our boys has a very, very different personality. Um, I never, I never imagined that to be the case. I, I never thought that's the way it would be. I thought we would have um, children and they'd all be kind of alike because they're all in our home. But each one of them has a very different personality. They're all different in their learning styles. So each of them are, are very different in the way that they learn, the, the way they process information. Um, in addition to that, we have one son who has some behavioral and learning challenges because of a seizure disorder and, and, and brain damage with that. And so we, we have all these different things. And I, I don't tell you that to give you a, a sad story. I just say we've, our context, it, that's our context. We've got a, a lot of different boys. And here's the thing that they do have in common with us, that they're all sinners in need of a savior, right? And so that's the level leveler um, for us, that that's their context and our context. And so the first way that I think we see in this passage, and, and the, uh, God says it, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So in your home, this happens in your home. One of the best places for discipleship, without a doubt, the pr- probably the primary place, especially in the early years, is in your home. You spend a lot of time in your home. And and the, the primary ones called to disciple your own children, if you have children, um, are, are you in your home. And if you're grandparents, you, you have an opportunity to come alongside um, your, your children and their children to disciple them. And if you're in ministry um, opportunities with uh, youth groups or, or college students, you have an opportunity to invite them into your home so that they can see your rhythms in, in your own home. And so um, in your own home. And, and this is where I want to... Um, uh, I, I would I would encourage every parent or grandparent to start here, right? So let me just walk through six six areas that I think are helpful in terms of Bible reading. That's where I would start. I would start with some kind of Bible reading, some kind of Bible memory, some sort of de- devotional time at some point um, in your own home. Even if you don't have children, but you've invited people in. You've got an opportunity to invite them into your rhythms, into your own rhythms. And so I would say this, uh, first of all, first, so this is the first one, lower the bar of expectation, okay? 
Lower the bar of expectation. It's not going to be a systematic theology if you're sitting down with young children, right? You're, you're, um, you're sitting down to read the Bible, spending some time in prayer, and it may be seconds of attention span, right? That's may, maybe where you start. Maybe you're, you're, you're saying, well, the pastor has well-behaved children who sit angelically, and they're, they're chanting Hebrew verses together. Well, let me, um, let me help you understand what this looks like. I'm going to show you a video that I took, a hidden camera video of our devotions from Tuesday night. Okay. This is what this looks like in our own home so that you get a picture of the chaos that is our time. I, I think I'll, I'll point out a couple things so that you see it. Right? Um, at one point, one of our sons is laying on the ground. Um, at another point, one of our boys has a, a stuffed bear that's about twice the size as he is. Um, he's sitting on its lap at one point, picking him up, carrying him. One boy is like leaning over the couch. Someone's playing with the blinds. Um, the dog begins to like lick himself right in the middle of the whole thing. So um, here you go. So this is a little invitation into our home. So, and if you would hear the decibels in there, I mean, there are many times where I'm, and that's why I did it like this, so you didn't hear me yelling at them, right? <laughs> Sit down, shut up, stop, stop doing that, you know? So, um, th- that is the, I want to lower the bar for us, right? Um, that, that we're able um, to, to speak the truth um, of God in, in small pockets, and so we have a couple rules in our own home, and here's what they are when we have our time together in, in these discipleship moments of reading the Word together. One is, are you distracted by something in a way that you would not be able to listen? If so, get rid of it. And then the second one is, are you being a distraction to someone else so that they can't listen? If so, stop it, right? Um, that, that's what we would say, right? Uh, and and if, um, if they have a ball in their hands, fine. If they're not throwing it, if they want to lay on the floor, that's fine. If they're not wrestling or, or whatever. But here's what we're doing. We're creating consistent disciplines in the lives of our children over and over and over. So lower the bar of expectation and spend some time together reading something. Second, choose an age-appropriate Bible or passage, right? Many of you have um, young children in your lives, infants, toddlers, um, and maybe you uh, don't have those, but you have young Christians in your lives. And, and so you may be asking, am I really supposed to read Exodus like you were to your infant, right? Maybe not, right? Maybe that's not where you are. But I would suggest getting a children's story Bible. Start there um, and, and show pictures and ask um, a qu- a questions that are, that are helpful. Let me, let me give you a couple examples of things that we're doing. Um, a lot of you have seen the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you don't have this, we'll give it to you for free tonight. Okay? It's one of the best um, storybook Bibles out there. Kirsten and I have sat um, together and wept as we've um, read it. So um, it's a beautiful book. This is the one our boys are into now. We had to get two copies of it because they were fighting over it, right? So we read Cain and Abel, right, to them and showed them that that's where that goes. But we have two copies of this because of that, and it gets ripped up. But this is um, um, written, and, or it's uh, illustrated by a guy who used to be on staff with Marvel and DC Comics. So... And, it, and it's accurate. It's, it's really a really good, a good, good Bible. So that's the one we're into now. That's what we were trying to read in that video, right? So that's what was trying to happen there. 
Oh, yeah, for uh, the Action Bible. And we've got several copies out there, the Action Bible. Um, so um, that's what we do. We, we choose an age-appropriate uh, passage or Bible to read. Um, but I would say this. Your children are getting more. The children in your lives are getting more than what you think they're getting. Right? They're hearing, they're understanding, they're learning more than what you think they're understanding. And so our, and, and this came to mind um, th- this year for us, our 13-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old, they're all reading through the Bible reading plan that, that a lot of you are doing. So we're, before they go to bed, they're, re- they're right in the middle of Leviticus right now, right? And I'm just hoping they ask Kirsten questions while I'm away at work, right? But um, so they're, they're, reading, they're reading through that. It's a discipline that they are engaging in. Okay, that's second. Third, choose a regular time and a place for Bible reading. may sound simple, but it's profound. That kind of rhythm is really helpful. A regular time, a regular place. Um, kids thrive on schedules. Um, you, if you're a parent, you've actually drilled that into them. It's your fault, right? So, so pick up on that and say, well, let's go with a schedule and get a, a normal, regular routine and rhythm that would be helpful. So let me tell you about our regular rhythm. Here's what ours is. Um, you saw some of it, but let me explain it. Um, this isn't a must, but this is what we do. We gather in our living room every night. It just so happens that we eat dinner every night, right? So the boys take a shower, they take a bath, whatever. We gather in our living room every evening. We read one of these story um, book Bibles and we just plow through them. I've got all these are examples of things that we have done over the years. And we just go through them. I, I would say choose different ones. Right? Get through one and go to buy, buy a different one. Spend the money and buy another one. And, and I can give you examples in that. So we gather in our living room to read a, a storybook Bible. We read through um, a, a, a passage. Um, and, then, um, and then we spend some time praying. I'll get to that here in a second. At breakfast, just so happens we eat breakfast every morning together. So at breakfast... Um, We also read through scripture. Kirsten's reading through um, some psalms with the boys now. Um, Usually somebody spills something and somebody um, gets up to get something more to eat and no one's really listening, but it's a sacred moment, right? Um, For us to put in the rhythm of the discipline of being with our boys, listen, it it all takes work. There's none of this that's easy. None of this is like, oh, we'll just do it. It's really easy. No, it all takes work and discipline, and it's a pain in the rear sometimes. But it, it's the rhythm that we're getting in there. Fourth, um, think of age-appropriate questions to ask. So always be considering how can I ask questions to engage them in the readings that we've just done. So for younger kids, you start with something like, how many commandments were there, right? Ten. For older kids, ask open-ended questions like, why do you think God would give the commandment, you shall not steal? So now you've got them engaged in, in it. So you're thinking of age-appropriate questions. It's a daily rhythm. Fifth, connect each reading to Jesus. Now that takes some work. Um, and and it, it's, it's at times difficult to connect a lot of these things to Jesus. Um, if you have questions about how that should be done, again, get this book. It will point... It, I mean... Every story whispers his name, Jesus, right? So um, I would say get that book. Connect every reading to Jesus. And then six, um, let what you read guide your prayer. So end your time in your reading praying about something that you've just read. And, and there may be times um, where, where you pray for deeper trust in God or that we'd be able to forgive or whatever it is that you're reading. And 
And there have been times where, honestly, I have no idea what to pray after we've, what we've just read because I'm so distracted by what's happening, right, with the giant bear or whatever it is that I have no idea what we've just read. And so there are times when I will pray, God, this is a difficult passage to understand. And so help us to understand you and your word more and more. Right? But, but you're connecting the reading to something you're, you're pleading with God. And so, um, so, so that's something that, that we do. Now, um, related to prayer, and I've talked about this uh, multiple times, but we, every night, we have a prayer book. They're just cheap books that we go through. We write a date in it, the date. We write names of every person in our family, and we, we write one thing that they're thankful for. And we do that every single night. The highlight of our boys' evening often is, can we look back a year? And so we look back a year, and we read the thing, and they remember, oh, I remember that. When this happened and that happened, that was the day that, and I have no clue what they're talking about, that they remember all of those things. So I would say get in a rhythm of looking back to thank God and also looking back to remember what God has done. Even if you don't have children, I would encourage you to get in a rhythm of this so that in, in your discipleship of children, this becomes an, a natural flow. Um, out on the table out there where we've got other books to sell, I've got all of the old Job notebooks that we probably won't do for, we probably won't do Job for a long time. So those are free. You can just take one and use that for your, your time together. So if you're needing a notebook, take it. Uh, we're just trying to get rid of them. So don't take it really as a kindness from us. It's really, we're just trying to get our junk on you. All right. So there you go. Um, um, again, the commandment is you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And so that's the sit in your house part. The next part of that is you shall teach them diligently to your children when you walk by the way. I'll say it this way in your daily rhythms, in your daily rhythms. And I would say this one is crucial as your as kids around you are growing in age. So as they're getting older, um, this one is crucial, and this takes a ton of work, I'm finding, as our boys are getting older. Kirsten and I have said probably five times over the last two months, parenting is hard. It's hard. And so not to discourage those with younger children, but the, it, it doesn't get easier. It just changes, and it, it's, it's, um, it's challenging, but it's fun. So in your daily rhythms um when they're one two three uh, years old that that young age you're talking about sharing with friends and kindness and self-control and those kinds of things those are good uh, biblical principles in discipleship but as children grow they understand more and more and more about the sick world around them and, and the beautiful world around them they're understanding more of that and they have questions and so this piece i, I think is crucial as as kids are getting older and I, i'd say much of our discipleship of our boys, especially our three older ones, comes in the daily rhythms, or as God says here, when we walk um, by the way. So walking down the sidewalk, walking um, uh, down through the neighborhood, driving to school, going to Sprouts, um, walking through Old Town, involvement in sports, whatever that is, we've got conversations. So what, we're, what, we're, what our hope is, is that we're laying a biblical foundation in the early years, so we've got some sort of um, a foundation to build upon when conversations arise um, along the way, walking by the way. Uh, when we walk by the way, uh, what God says there indicates that there's real life applications. So it's out in the real world. It's actually happening out there. And I think often, 
our tendency as parents and as grandparents and as people who are involved in the lives of younger kids especially, I think our tendency is often to hide and shelter our kids so they don't get hurt by the world. So we try to bring them in and not expose them to things that are out there. That's a natural inclination, I think, of parents and of, of people who are discipling children. I, we, we've taught them these good things, and we don't want them to now go out there and get hurt. And so we're just going to shelter them and, and pull them. And, and, and we feel that, but here's what's not happening. We're not preparing them for life in the world. We're not preparing to, to get them out. Discipleship is teaching them about how to live in the world. So the, the discipleship of children is not just in the home, right? Not just in, in a, even in a classroom setting here on, on a Sunday morning, it extends into the world as we walk through the way. Um, has anybody seen the movie Captain Fantastic? Okay, oh, so I, should, I probably shouldn't ask that, right? You shouldn't ask about movies in a church setting. I've learned not to recommend movies. Anyway, there's this movie that my sister told me about. Um, not really. Um, it, it's a movie with um, Viggo uh, Mortensen. There's a, a, there's a lot of good um, nuggets in the movie, but but here's what the here's the, the context of the movie. There's a um, a dad of six children, um, and he's raised them off the grid in the woods. Um, and um, and they travel in a school bus if they need to go into the city. And he spends their entire he spends their entire life um, teaching them for these crucial moments in the real world. So their whole life is this training grounds out in the woods where they're where they're trying to learn these these real life experiences. All of their education that he, he's teaching them, all, all the things he's teaching them is about practical life skills. So he's teaching them how to, to find food and, and all of those things. Well, there's this moment in the movie. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating that, by the way. So don't go home and think Vince is a weirdo. I am, but not because of that. There's this moment in the movie where they get into the city. They have to go into the city to get something they need. Um, and, and they run into trouble. I won't tell you because I, I don't want to ruin it for you. But here's what Viggo Mortensen's character says. is the dad. He says, right now. This is your first real test. Remember your training. And, and then they go, right? So, so he's been spending this, in, this entire movie, really, training them about for these real-life settings. And the real-life setting was them going into Walmart, right? And so he's been training them, like, this is how you interact with the, the real world. Isn't that, as Christian parents or as Christian disciples, isn't that what we're wanting, we're training them for the real world, to, to live in the world but not of it, and, and so to be, to, to be ready for that. So what does that look like practically? Um, I, I don't know, right? I, uh, um, no, I, I, would, I would encourage this. Uh, if you could learn one skill as, you, as, as the kids in your life get older, I would say it needs to be the skill of asking good questions. Um, of learning how to ask good questions of the kids who are in and under your influence. Such good discipleship happens in the questions of, of life. Not, not as much, at least from our experience, not as much in the instruction and, and really what happens is then the accusation. You did this, I saw you but in the questions of life, in the, in the hey, can you tell me more about this? Um, 
Um, There's so much that's there. And so here's a few examples of ways that this has worked out practically for us. Um, And and I could go through several examples. Let me me choose a couple here. Um, Our our six-year-old son uh, is on a soccer team. Um, Many of the boys at six years old, five years old, um, are ball hog, self-centered goal scorers, right? That's the only fun of soccer. You just want to score a goal. And so that means you steal it from your teammate if you're going to score. That's what you do, right? And so um, that, what that does, though, is it creates for us opportunities of discipleship when we get in the car, right? And so I've asked my son before because I do such a great job of coaching. Um, I, why is my wife the only one who laughed at that? Uh, um Hey, Uzziah, you seem frustrated after Trevor scored the goal. Why? Well, his answer to that was because he stole the ball from me. Okay, so why do you think he did that? Right? So there's a question that gets at heart motivations, right? Gets at the why do you think he did that? Well, now we've got a conversation about all sorts of things that go because he wanted to score. Why do you think he wanted to score? Why do you think he took the ball from you to score? So we've got these opportunities for discipleship as we're walking along the way. Our eight-year-old son has been in and out of the hospital, um, ongoing seizure disorders. He's um, probably um, one of one of our only boys to recognize others with disabilities. He sees them and, and he knows. What, why is she in a wheelchair, right? And so th- there's questions asked of us that we're able to turn and say, well, I'm not sure. Why do you think God has... Um, allowed her to be in a, a wheelchair and, and 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 god knows exactly what she needs and so we can walk through those kinds of things with with our children um our 10 year old he's a lover of people um he's a likable kid everyone is his friend um he hasn't met anyone he doesn't like other than a few of his brothers right he's there's no one on his bad list um and he also really desires to be liked by others and so we've got questions then that go into that. Well, can you tell me why you did that thing when you were with your friends? And often what comes about is that he wanted the attention and their approval. And so we're able to talk through those things as, as we go. Right? Our, our 12-year-old son loves nice new things. He likes to be in style, if you know the one I'm talking about. Um, he, he likes to look good. He likes to have nice stuff. He, he is that kid. He is also the one who's on a top-level um, soccer team where many of the kids on his team are from well-to-do families. Um, our boy, uh, our son knows all of the cool cars out there, right? This family has this car. Well, he comes home from practice often where he says Brady had a brand new pair of cleats. He said they were $300, right? Kids are spending $300 on cleats, by the way. Um, um, they're not, actually. The kids are not spending $300. Their parents are. Um, a, a, or, or a bunch of the kids are going to this soccer camp that costs $485. Or, and he, he recognizes those things. And so there's an immediate opportunity for us to begin asking questions. Well, how does that make you feel? And, and why? Why does it make you feel that way? What's at the heart of what you're feeling right now? Do you feel like an outsider on the team? And what, what is that really saying about you, and we could go on and on. Our 13-year-old is an extreme extrovert, a strong leader. Uh, he's been a captain on a soccer team every year. He's played. He, he's a leader. I'm not bragging about him. Just setting the, the the context for for who he is. But he's come home from games and from training sessions in tears um, after people blame him for the way the game has gone. 
And so there's immediate opportunities there for us to talk to him about leadership, how leadership means often that you're blamed for things that are not your fault. But leadership also means owning the, the way that, that things go and that, that Jesus had to give up a lot of those things so that he could lead and love well. And so there, there's growing in leadership there. Does that make sense? That there's questions to be asked along the way as we're, we're with the kids who are around us. We're, we're able to, to then talk about, I think, the, the, the hardest things of life and the, the most joyful things of life in those moments of, of walking along the way, those daily rhythms. Um, I mean, this could go on and on, not just in the home, not just with friends, but our boys are, I mean, they're, they're in, in school now, and so they're, we just moved to a public school setting last year after homeschooling for multiple years, so they're in. Um, in this, uh, a lot of the things that are happening, um, again, the goal is not sheltering them, but helping them understand the things that are out there, helping them understand what's right and wrong and what's honoring to God. And with five boys, we're working against a world that is sexual in all kinds of ways. And so um, talking through those things are are. are instant and ongoing discipleship opportunities. Our, our boys love listening to the radio, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I don't like a lot of the stuff that's on the radio now. It's actually really horrible. Um, not in content, just in the way it is. Anyway, um, as, as long as we, we, we allow it to happen, as long as we're also engaged in the songs that they're listening to. And so that means I, I have to suffer through a lot of this pop music that is abysmal but we've um what we've done is we've sat down together and we've looked at lyrics together and we've talked through well what are they saying here how how does that mesh with what do you think god wants from this and how is it uh, appropriate and we, and we do the same things with movies and tv shows and and all of that that we try to engage with those things we have a, a again a house full of boys we're trying to teach them that um there are a lot of inappropriate clothing or not clothing choices um, that that are um, being shown all over TV, and and so um, something that Kirsten has started, which is really helpful, is um, she has started teaching the boys that that when when women are dressed like that, they need privacy, and so you need to give them the privacy they need by not looking in their direction, and so when we're watching something on TV or a movie, that that's something that we just we say. Um, uh, quite often that that's not appropriate and so we're not going to we're not going to watch that so Kirsten's helping helping with that so again we don't want to shelter um, but we want to help them make good decisions as they walk along the way remember what Jesus prays remember that Jesus prays in John 17 that that his disciples um, would be um, in the world but not of the world that it's an intentional um, in but not of with a, a constant door then for us for, for open questions and conversations. The final encouragement I have is this, um, and, and then we'll get to some questions. Um, consistently and intentionally. So the way that God puts it here in Deuteronomy, when you lie down, when you rise. So all the time is what he's saying. Con- consistently. Intentionally, consistently. Um, and, and then he goes on, tie these words around your hand, hands, put them on your forehead, write them on the door frame of your house and, and your gates. Some would say that's literal um, and have taken it to be literal, but I think it's um, pretty clear that that's a metaphorical way of God saying this is something that's intentionally in front of you. 
intentionally um, in front of you. Ongoing conversations over and over and over. And so we've built into the rhythms of our lives um, as, as a family ways that we can intentionally have one-on-one conversations with our boys that are ongoing. And so we've spent time um, where we've taken turns, where we take one, one of the boys out, and we just sit down and we ask questions about who they are and what, what they like and what, what makes them tick and who are their friends. When Ezra turned 13, this is something I, I decided to do. Um, it wasn't my idea. Lots of people have done this. But when he turned 13, I, I decided to take him on a, a road trip to see one of his favorite soccer teams. And the reason we did a road trip is because it gave us hours in the car of conversation. He can't go anywhere, so I've got him pegged, right? So we're able to, to talk through everything from music, which was casual conversation, to friends and, and dreams and life, and then some really challenging things for a 13-year-old to hear from a dad, but, but ways that we're able to talk through those things, asking him and letting him know that, that I, I want to ha- have a son and sons who um, see me as a dad, as a mentor, as a friend, as someone who can um, be a help in the in the difficult stages that are coming. And so, um, I bought him this book on his 13th birthday. I've got several copies out there for you, for those of you who are with um, older teens. But it's uh, it's called "This Changes Everything: How the Gospel Transforms the Teen Years." And so we're we're reading a chapter uh, a week in this, and we're getting together for coffee on Wednesday mornings, Ezra and I. Um, and it's a beautiful way to just, and it's written by a teenager, by the way. It's an 18-year-old girl who wrote the book. So it's written from that sort of perspective. And it's, um, but that's intentional, right? That takes a lot of work and, and a lot of time, but it's crucial um, in the, the heart and life of kids who are growing. For those um, who have interactions with um, young girls, um, as as their their daughters or granddaughters, I've got a book out there. I forgot to get a copy of it here. There's a book out there called um, what's called "Marry a Man Like Me." A friend of ours in Acts 29 wrote the book, um, and it's a, it's a story book for dads to read to their daughters, and it tells the daughter all the things that she should be looking for in a husband. Marry a man that does this. Marry a man that does this. Marry a man that does this. And the point of the book is the dad also needs to be growing in these things too, but he's putting in front of his daughter, these are the things I need to be growing in, and these are the things that you should be looking for. So there's um, four copies out there, um, rush to get it, right? The the discipleship of our children is consistent. It's got to be intentional, the discipleship of children in our lives in three areas, home, daily rhythms, consistently, intentionally, okay? Um, Something that Kirsten and I have said, and, and I'll stop here, something that Kirsten and I have said over and over the last couple weeks, um, months, is that, um, and we've just been reminded of this in so many ways, in so many failures, really, is that discipleship of children is a long game. So if we think that today we're going to read Exodus 20 to our kids and they're going to be changed people tomorrow, we've got a lot to learn, that it's a long game, that this is an ongoing um, discussion and and battle towards seeing a kid grow up in an understanding and fear of the Lord. So it's a long game. We've just had to remind one another over and over and over about that. That that the one who brings true transformation is not us, but but God, who lovingly and sovereignly calls um, people to Himself to love Him to um, with, with all their heart, soul, mind strength, might. 
And so our role in the lives of children is to diligently teach them daily uh, along the way and, and consistently and intentionally. Okay? That's it. Um, that's what we have. What, what questions do you have? Kirsten, I'm going to have you come up here. What? Any questions come to mind? Uh, maybe you don't have any. And if not, then we've got food out there and you can get some books. What questions do you have? What's the question? The question is how do we pray with our kids? Do we pray at their level or do we pray how we would normally pray? Um, I would say both. I think that um, we try to have our kids pray at whatever level they're at, um, but then we will also pray. And so they'll have an opportunity to hear us pray, but they also hear their siblings pray as well, and so everybody's praying at a different level. Um, I don't know that I alter the way that I pray too much for our kids no i find myself there are times when i catch myself praying and help mommy to do this i'm like why did i say i don't ever call her mommy why do i do that Uh so i think it i think it just goes all all over really other questions i I'll, i'll go with this though rachel i think I think we I think we often err toward the side of dumbing things down or sorry shouldn't say it that way you know what I mean uh, making it more childish and then um, that makes settings like even corporate worship here on a Sunday seem way outside of their category because they have no circle for that and so I think as much as we can help them understand who God is in the context of the normal everyday how, how you talk is is a good thing for them to hear and understand. Yeah, the question is, how do you invite other people into your into your the discipleship of your kids, and how do you ensure that it's the same kind of direction that you would like it to be going? Is that is that right? Yeah, I don't know that we have a real good answer for this because I mean we're we're wading through it right now on our own. But some things that we've put into practice, um, I mean mo- most of our circles are are circles within the church and so a lot of our our kids are already in those circles to begin with like i said that they're in the public schools now and so a lot of their friends we have no clue who they are um other than things we've heard from them and so we've made a decision um as a family that we won't do sleepovers ever um for a lot of different reasons but one of them was be- I mean, we, we've all been at sleepovers, right, that have gone awry. Um, and so we just have never never done that and, and wouldn't probably for the reason of we want to know how how our kids are being influenced. That That's a friend side. I know that's not what you're asking. Um, we've also, um, we're looking at and we're interested in inviting other men into our boys' lives. It's something that's on our radar and we, we haven't really figured out how to do it. Drew and Pete Chambers work with the youth, and our bo- I'll tell you this: our boys look up to these guys. Not Drew, not just Drew and Pete, but like guys who will talk to them. At, at uh, Doug Drees, he's not here. Doug Drees talks to our boys every single week at church, 
And as, if Doug were here, I'd tell him this. So as dorky as they think Doug may be, they still love that he comes and talks to him, talks to them, right? I mean, they, they love it. And so we're looking for ways that we can um, get, get people in their lives. I think on a practical note, too, like when we have people over for dinner, then we'll do family devotions after dinner. And whether they're a believer or not, we'll say, this is what we do as a family. And so we'll read our passage, and then we'll invite them in. Like we all just say one thing that we're thankful for. You know, if they're a Christian, then we'll say we want to thank God for. If they're not a believer, then we'll say, what's something that you enjoyed today? What's something that you're thankful for? And that's usually not too intimidating for someone who's not a believer to be able to come up with one thing that they enjoy during the day. So we'll invite them into our normal rhythms to just be a part of what we're doing. Um, And so that's one way to just invite neighbors or friends or family or whoever it is, kind of invite them into what you're doing so they can kind of get a picture of what, what your life is like. We also have the luxury of having Christian parents who live near us, who are influences. I mean, my parents are influences in their in our boys' lives, for sure. Kirsten's parents live 40 minutes from here. I know that's not a luxury that men, not everyone has, but I mean, that, those are, that's an influence in their lives, too. So, but really, I mean, the, the, simple question, the simple answer is a lot of their influences are right here. I mean, they're in this, they're in this church. Other questions? You go for it. Well, I mean, I'll answer it. I'm trying to give you space. Um, we have, we've had, the, we have dealt with it, and um, it's the question was. Oh yes, question. Letting kids go over to other friends' houses in unbelieving families, yep. and just the complications that that creates. Yeah. Um. And what we've tried to do is we've tried, we've tried to get to know the, the parents first. Um, um, we'll invite them over first with the family. Um, with I've the, met moms at parks before with our kids. And so, like, when they've invited our kids over, I'll say, hey, how about we meet up at a park and just so we can get to know each other. And I'll just put it out there that that's what I'm comfortable with, is I'm comfortable if I could just get to know you and let our kids play at the park. Um, and then once I've gotten to know them a little bit, then I feel like I can make a better decision about whether or not it's a wise decision to send them over there or not. Yeah, and as Ezra's gotten old, Ezra's our oldest, as he's gotten older, he's had more freedom to be in, you know, with his friends and go places. But we, I mean, we always make sure one of the parents is there. Um, and we, again, we we always know who the people are. I mean, we know the parents, we know at least something about them. And then I think if you've got open open doors for conversation, then there's conversation. How'd it go? What'd you guys do? The whole time? You were there for three hours. You sat on the back porch and talked. What else did you do? I mean, you know, there's there's questions that we're, we're just always, always having. So. What else? You don't have to try to make us feel good. If you don't have questions, that's, that's great. We'd love to pray for you and go something I want to say is that um, as a parent you're going to mess up there's going to be a lot of times that you sin against your kids Um, and I found um, a lot of freedom in using those times as discipleship opportunities too Um, I remember a time a couple years ago 
the boys woke up arguing, and they argued the entire morning. And I was done parenting by about 7.30. And um, we had like... A.M., yes. (laughs) We had the whole day to go. Um, And um, by lunchtime, I was starting to lose it, like really lose it. And I... Asher said something, and I lost it. And, like, you know, there's that fine line between your firm voice and your yelling voice. And at least for me, there is. And I, was, and I wasn't yelling. It was my firm voice. Um, but this time, I was, like, all out yelling. Like, just, I lost. I was the crazy lady with the head spinning. Like, I literally screamed at him. And he instantly dissolved into tears and ran to his room. And, like, all my anger just dissolved out of the situation. And I felt awful, and I felt shame. And so I took a minute, and I prayed, and I went to his room, and I just said, Asher, I'm really a jerk sometimes, aren't I? And he said, yeah, you are. (laughs) Um, But in that moment, I was able to say, Asher, I need a Savior just as much as you do. And so, um, you know, we're constantly telling you, you need a Savior. You need Jesus to save you. But this is evidence that I still need a Savior. I need him to save me. He saved me, but I need him to change me. And I need you to pray for me that Jesus would be changing me because I just lost my cool with you completely. And that was sin, and I sinned against you. And so we both need a Savior. And so taking even moments that you mess up, just knowing that it's a gospel moment. It's a moment for you to turn your own heart to your need for a Savior, but also to your children and let them know I sinned against you. And I've asked God to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. And then even after that, like I went to the other boys and I said, I just really handled that poorly. I sinned. I asked God to forgive me, and I know he forgave me because of Jesus. I asked Asher to forgive me. I just want you guys to know that the way I handled that was wrong. Um, so just taking moments like that, even when you mess up, because you're going to. I mean, you're, you're going to mess up a lot. Um, and asking your kids to pray for you and asking your kids to pray with you and just pointing your own heart to your need for Jesus as much as they need him. Um, yeah. Take those opportunities. Yeah, I think some of our, our best moments of seeing the gospel communicated in, it has been in the moments where we, we have sinned against our children. And I know Kirsten gave an example of two years ago. I think it's happened since then, oh, yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that happens daily is what I'm getting at. I mean, it's, there's, there's constant opportunities for confession and um, forgiveness and, and um, reconciliation. It's happening all the time. Others? Okay. It is 830. I'm going to do this. Out there, I'm going to pray for us. Out there on the table, there are books of all kinds. I tried to get a, a, a variety of books. If you're in a place this evening, you have children, um, and you're not sure where to go, I'd encourage you to look at some of those books and start somewhere. Start something somewhere. There's different age um, age books out there, so start somewhere. If you're, in the, if you're a grandparent, I would also encourage you to pick up some of those books and have them in your own home um, and be in those rhythms with them. If you're involved in the lives of kids in any way, um, there's books out there for all ages where you can have them in your home, be using the resources that are out there. There's no reason for us to be recreating things that are already already done. So those are out there. They're very discounted. Um, if you don't, if money is an issue, then you can take them um, and enjoy them.
Um, so they're there for you. I want to pray for you, um, pray for us in our in our desire to to love and serve and care for kids and point them um, more and more to a need for a savior. So um, let me pray, and then you all can go. God, thanks for an evening together. I, my prayer is that um, none of us would walk out of here. Um, Believing that someone else has it together um, and that that we don't. Pray that none of us would walk out of here thinking that there are some people who are less in need of a Savior than we are or more in need of a Savior than we are. That we would understand that, that the, the playing field has been leveled at, um, at sin and we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus has come to take that sin and conquer it in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And so I pray that we'd believe that. And God, I pray for the children who are represented even here in this room, that you would be at work drawing them to yourself, saving them at an early age, and that they would have years and years of growing in their understanding of who you are, growing in their love for you, their affections for you, and that one day they would be um, great leaders in their own homes, the churches, um, and the, the friends around them pointing others to Jesus. Would you multiply the efforts of even these these adults here and the lives of the children that are, are around them. Multiply those efforts in, in um, growing your kingdom, we pray. You're a good God to us. You are our good Father. Amen. Thank you all.